he's gay. I mean, he's gay, excuse me, he's blind. If you're at lunch, or if you have no appetite, now is a good time to switch off the radio. It will not be pleasant listening. Welcome to the Lawrence Ross Show. You sound a little taller on radio. A two-hour weekly exploration into the mind of a man who calls it like he sees it, but he can't see his audience. So what if I'm blind? At least I don't have to look at your ugly face. Want to mix it up with this guy? Call or text the comment line. 813-602-2715. Pick up a phone and dial that number. Hope you enjoy the program because no refunds will be issued. And we'll do it live. I took a course in Hallelujah. I went to night school for deep blues. The Lawrence Ross Show. Welcome to the program, everybody. Love to hear from you tonight. 813-602-2715. Ladies only. Trying to look experiment here. Before we get to that. Do it, fellas. Trying to find ways to find my audience. Raw emotions will be flying tonight, more than likely. Jim Rome will be stopping by. And also, since Tuesday, no, I'm sorry, since Wednesday was the birthday of the man, I'll be doing a tribute to the late, great George Carlin. He is next up in the People Who Make Me Laugh segment thank you very much for tuning into the program tonight everybody thank you very much glad to have you here uh 813-602-2715 is the number that you can dial up tonight or you can text if you'd like to be on the program but i'm doing there's a bit of a stipulation it's ladies only and i'm Doing this experiment tonight because I just I'm 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 hoping that I'm wrong on this. Because I firmly believe that my audience is so small that I can ask for ladies only to call, and I'm pretty sure that from now on because I mean I'll get to the personal recap and all that stuff in a little bit, but first I just want to just I I just I just want to just want to set aside some time to just ask that if you are in fact listening to this program, if it's live or if it's uh, on the uh, podcast later on, all I'm asking is that you promote the show in some way that I know that it's you know that 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 you're that you're that 
where I'm able to see it and I can acknowledge and say, hey, thank you to so-and-so for uh, promoting the show on their platform. Now, if you're on Facebook, I would like, you know, I, I, would, I would really appreciate it if uh, there was more activity because I don't know what else to offer to get people to listen to the show. I mean, I have shared the page. I share updates. I say, hey, look, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. Uh, but it seems that I don't know if, like, is my content not engaging enough? Or am I, am I, in, am I totally in the wrong field? Am I, I mean, I mean, please. I mean, I, I would love to know that, A, there's an audience and that people are going to actively check out the program and support what it is I'm doing because when I because I've I've, o- I've always wanted to get my name out there in some way in regards to maybe you know some form of entertainment like you know primarily radio and you know other things if if I can branch off into them great but I'm not going to be able to do thing one if I if if I don't know who my audience is, what you like, what you don't like. I mean, the only like real consistent feedback that I get are phone calls with my dad. That is it. That is it. Like I could come on here one of these days and just say the most outlandish thing about whatever and it would not generate any sort of feedback whatsoever. And somebody on Facebook suggested, hey, why don't, why don't you post you know, podcast clips on YouTube? Well, we did that for a long time. But YouTube took the old channel down because of 27 copyright strikes from Universal Music Group because, because, because we wanted to diversify and do video games and also the radio show, but YouTube or Universal Music Group said, nope, channel gone, boom, out of here. So those are gone, and they didn't generate a lot of views all that much to begin with, and in all fairness, they didn't generate a lot of stuff in the comments section either. So I don't know if it's, I don't know, I honestly don't know what it is, but all I'm asking, ladies and gentlemen, is please, if by the off chance that more than just one person is listening to this, my one person, I mean me, because I listen to the show mainly for, mainly for, what's the word? What's the word? Quality control. Quality control. I listen to the show for quality control, and I would like, you know, more than just, you know, more than just people just liking the page, and that's pretty much, that's pretty much all, because, I mean, I understand you have to really struggle to get where you want to go. I get that, but... I mean, there's only so much on my end that I'm able to do, and 
I'm asking for your support, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, anything that you can think of. I mean, I don't care if you have to spell out the Lawrence Ross show in alphabet soup or, you know, whatever. Just something and make sure that you tag the Facebook page and make sure that you tag me. It says Lawrence Ross, internet radio host or, you know, host, segment producer, all that stuff. That's the one you want to tag because I want to know that I'm actually making a difference out there because I'd, because as I've said, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of things I'd like to, because as I've said in the past, I've said, there's a lot of things I'd like to do creatively. And I would love to do this as a full-time thing. I would like to be a content creator full-time. I have a lot of ideas. I have a lot of uh, things I would like to get done. I have a lot of I have a lot of goals, and it really bums me out. I'm pr- and, and 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 I'm pretty sure it bums everybody out when you try and reach various goals in life, and you always end up hitting the dang wall. And I always seem to have that happen for some reason. Like I mean, and 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 uh, another uh, uh, another suggestion was that I go live on Facebook. That that's been suggested to me a lot. But the only downside with that is that is. In regards to the camera setup, I have one computer for broadcasting, and the way my setup is, the microphone is all the way down on this other table, and it's nowhere near the broadcast computer, so you wouldn't be able to see me, and you probably wouldn't be able to hear any of the stuff that I play through the computer, because... Because I'm not sure if it would pick it up all that well, and, and in all fairness, I'm not sure if Facebook would would be cool with me playing uh, music that's already out there, already available. Because I've ran into this several times now. <laughs> when, when I've when I've just posted just the raw video, uh, the raw video for that song I did for Trisha Paytas. You know when I just <clears throat> when I just post the file right from my computer to my Facebook. Recently, I've gotten notifications that say uh, a minute 20 of this uh, video has been muted because of copyright. So it's, it's, it's totally strange that they have this. It's, it's totally strange that that stance exists and I don't want to get hit with any sort of copyright strike, you know, some sort of notice and people can't access the content later on. And then I got to, you know, and and then I got to tell them, Hey, look, you got to go through this channel. And it's just, it it never, it never seems to work out. And I really hope that this does turn around because yes, I have X amount of people who will, you know, like the page and all that stuff, which is great. But I mean, I would like, as, as, as much as I want everybody to be active, it's unfortunately just, it's it's not going to happen. And it is just, it's a struggle. It is a struggle. And I posted uh, the other day, I said, hey, look, if I make a shirt that says, get me out of Leavenworth, Kansas, would you buy it? And I posted that on Facebook and Twitter. And only one person on Facebook said yes, and only one person on Twitter said yes. So you can see what I'm up against. And it's very, very upsetting. I want this to be profitable. I want this to 
be something that I can tell people, hey, look, you know, I start started from the bottom. Now, by some miracle, I'm here, and now, now, now I'm now I'm just incredibly happy. But at this stage of the game, it is it's 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 these these are not the salad days. These are the struggling years, folks. And I really think, and this is this is this and this is where the bold statements are going to start. I think that whole notion of a guy being on the radio and being able to you know being able to being able to land the ladies i think that's just in the past because i've been doing this for <laughs> i've been I've, I've been on the internet in some capacity since like 2006 i guess it, like like publicly in like 2006 i started doing these little podcasts for this one website that i used to visit and it was mainly just for their benefit really and it was it was like it was it was it was like it was a bit of a stepping stone and i don't have any of the old episodes of that and uh so that tapered off and then uh and it just it seems as if i don't know it seems as if i've i've never been able to find my true audience who will you know follow me from one platform to the next consistently and go oh yes you know we'll 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 support it all that stuff and it seems as if when very few people participate in getting the word out i tend to get very discouraged because when i look at the numbers and the numbers aren't generating what i'm looking for you know the, the the number the numbers i mean the numbers should be a direct indication as to how i'm doing but I mean, I was looking at the analytics for Spotify, and it says, like, it says, like, 200-something streams uh, or starts. I honestly, I have no idea how that analytics stuff works. I really, really don't. And I've, and I've, I've read on their website, and I'm still lost as all get out. I have no idea. Absolutely no idea idea i don't i i i I can't read the dang charts i don't know if people are tuning the intro and going oh gosh here he goes again or if they jump around and go oh that part's kind of funny yeah that part's kind of funny yeah that part's boring and i don't receive a lot of email in regards to people checking out the show and i don't receive a lot of feedback really concerning the show as a whole i've gotten a few pieces of feedback but it is very few and far between very few and far between so i'm hoping ladies and gentlemen that if you're within the sound of my voice i hope that you please start sharing this podcast and you know, tell people, hey, look, you know, this guy's blind, but check out his program. You might enjoy something out of it. Please spread the word. When it comes to the merchandise, I pretty much have been the one of the only purchasers of the merchandise. I pretty much have had to comp almost everyone when it comes to this most recent run that I started, the 
coronavirus uh, campaign uh, that I have, which has a neck gaiter and a cloth face mask with my logo on it. But now it seems as if with everybody getting vaccinated, I don't know if I should keep it up for future years or if I should just pull the whole thing and just cut my losses and go, well, I only sold about four masks, basically, and one of them was purchased you know, completely independently by, by somebody else, a.k.a. my mom, and everything else I purchased. I really don't, you know, how am I, you know, how am I going to be able to profit from this? This is not going to help. But anyway, all right, okay. I'm just getting into the personal recap, or personal recap, personal recap yeah that too i'm gonna get into that and then uh and then yeah jim rum's gonna be here tonight and then i have a story about uh, something that's uh, sport re- sports related and then and then i got some other stuff and then in the second hour uh a thing about george carlin so friday after the show yeah just kick back listen to the show and then just uh watched uh um uh Watch some uh, YouTube uh, stuff, like watch some old uh, Beavis and Butthead stuff. Be getting into that a lot these days. I mean, that that re- that re- that really has been helping in regards to like making me laugh because, I mean, I, sheesh, you know, I think I need all the laughs I can get at this point. But uh, so yeah, and then uh, Saturday wasn't all that much, and then Sunday was uh, Mother's Day and also Laundry Day, and. Uh, and 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 yes, uh, and 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 yes, ladies and gentlemen, I did call my mom and I wish her happy Mother's Day and all that stuff. And so yeah, uh, and uh, work has been you know work has been work really not all that much not all that much else to really say about that. Uh, but uh, now it's time for the uh, sports section. I'm gonna go get some. Uh, I'm gonna go to the pantry. Hold on a second. Uh, hang on, hang on. Take some orders real quick. Hold on a second. All right, all right. Hey guys, hey guys, hey guys. You want to quit? Uh, uh, you guys want to quit looking at the uh, poster up there on the wall and tell me what the hell you want from the pantry? Yep. Hang on. Hey, hey. Here's a wireless, dude. Uh, can you get us some, like, nachos or something? Yeah, yeah, I mean, nachos roll. <laughs> All right, okay, nachos for you guys, and, uh, hang on. Hey, Stewie, what you want, man? Uh, you got any of those, uh, pizza rolls? Yep, sure do, man. Okay, good. All right, let me bring them in. Uh, here he is. <clears throat> hey, Romy, what's up, man? I, I, I haven't seen you in a while. I haven't seen you in a while either, man, but either way, uh, how you doing, man? Yeah, I'm hanging in there, man. You know how it goes. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, the struggle is real. I will say this. When I started doing the jungle, I didn't like it. My wife, Jenna, didn't like it. Nobody liked it. But then eventually, it grew on people. Let me just give your audience a tip. Give the show two weeks. You may not like it at first, but eventually it'll grow on you. Thanks for the words, Jim. You're welcome. You got the music? Damn right I do. Thank you. From Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. What is up? A tremendous Friday to every one of you in Los Angeles. I am Jim Rome sitting in on the Lawrence Ross Show. While he takes his Karen Carpenter-looking ass out to the bullpen, the refrigerator, to go feed the gods on the couch. 
some really upsetting news about horse racing clones. And as you know, I am a proud horse racer. We have a great horse. And this right here is very disgraceful in regards to what happened with the Kentucky Derby winner. He has been popped for roids, and he has such been disqualified. Now, clones? Clones. Seriously. <laughs> Spare me all of your Mr. Ed is on growth. Mr. Mr. Ed should have called Alex Rodriguez as his trainer. Spare me all of those texts, tweets, phone calls, and emails, clones. Because that smack is not going to run around here. It is just not going to. All right. Take a look at the email. You know, I told you guys that to do this, but you do it anyway. Hey, Van Smack. I guess to prevent him from going off to the glue factory, he should have called Barry Bonds. Signed Kyle in Westport. Kyle in Westport, you're blocked. Fuck! Fuck! Absolutely ridiculous. I told you, clones. None of this. Mr. Ed should have called Rodriguez smack. All right, is there the email? Dear Ben Smack, what is the intake on Mr. Ed in regards to his steak and oats versus his B12 vitamin shots? All right, Travis, in Austin, you're blocked. Fuck! Fuck! See, I keep telling you, clones. You clones are just beating a dead horse. And save me your dead horse smack. All right? Here's another email. Dear Romy, who do you think would win in a horse race? Ichabod Crane and the Headless Horseman or the horse who got popped for PEDs? All right, you're blocked. Fuck! This has got to be one of the worst round of emails I've ever read on this program. It is almost as if I'm reading emails from Eric at Church Falls, who is one of the most entitled listeners in the jungle. He's the only listener in the jungle who gets theme music played under him. Loser by Beck. That's what he gets. All right. Another email here. <clears throat> hey, Romy. Here's a text conversation between Mr. Ed, Bojack Horseman, and Black Beauty. Mr. Ed says, all right. Hey, yo, my man, Bojack, what is up with the human growth? Bojack writes back, Ed, my man, it's all about getting the ladies and laying that well-hung horse pipe. All right, Ryan, in California, you're blocked. Fuck! Fuck! I would like to call for right now a moratorium on horse meat jokes here in the jungle. Jokes aren't funny. Never found him funny, and the and if you do try and crack one on me, you're blocked. All right, coming up after the break, gonna be talking with my man Charles freaking Barkley. Jim Rub Show. Get back to the blind dude. Alrighty, and a very special thank you to Mr. Jim Rome for stopping by the program this evening. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to comment briefly on the, uh, hold on a second. Uh, I got, alright, here you guys go, alright, alright, here you go, alright, alright man, alright, Stewie, here are your, uh, pizza rolls. Mm-hmm. Alright, here you go, man, alright, here, uh, uh, Butthead, here's your, uh, thing of, uh, nachos. Uh, thanks. <sighs> All right, and uh, all right, here you go, Beavis. Here's your uh, nachos. <coughs> Thank you, drive through. <coughs> I don't drive, Beavis. <coughs> oh, that's right. <coughs> uh, aren't you like blind or something? <sighs> yep. Uh, 
Does that mean, like, you can't see stuff and stuff? Uh, you kind of got a point there, guys. Uh, all right. All right, where's, where's that thing? Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, getting back to uh, sports. Uh, so here's here, here's the story about this 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 was this was this was a couple days before the horse got uh, uh, got uh, 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 got in trouble for uh, using uh, roids. Here we go. The horse racing world is anxiously awaiting a second round of test results from Kentucky Derby winner Medina Spirit. If it's positive, the horse could be disqualified. The trainer denies doing anything wrong. And CBS's David Begno reports from Baltimore. Oh, Wilbur. Yeah, I mean, you know, in all fairness, you never saw that in Mr. Ed. <laughs> you, never saw, you never saw Wilbur standing behind Ed with a suppository. With a vitamin B12 shot. He goes, all right, Ed, hold still. I'm going to blow this in your tuchus. Oh, Wilbur. This is just going to make my leg bounce like crazy. Oh, Ed. Don't be ridiculous. Plus, we got to be at Mr. Bach's Barbecue at 5 o'clock. I've never really seen the show all that much. I only know on what I've heard on parodies. So I could be way off on this, by the way. Yep. And my audience is pulling away. They realize, wait a minute, this guy's 33, but he's making a Mr. Ed reference. Oh, gosh, is this guy old before his time? Ugh, he's an old soul, but it's not much fun. Tonight, Medina Spirit is already at Pimlico for the next leg in this year's Triple Crown. But the horse's future and that of its trainer, Bob Baffert, are in limbo. Ooh, not good. <laughs> Bob Baffert does it again! The celebration of Baffert's record-setting seventh Derby win lasted one week. All right, so let me take out this story. Uh, well, hang on a second. Uh, hang on a minute. Yeah, Al, come on in here, man. All right, let me see if I got this straight, all right? You got a horse. He's won seven races in a row. Yeah. So is he like the Lance Armstrong of horse racing. He's the Lance Armstrong of horse racing. He's a cheater. He's out of order. The trainer's out of order. The Kentucky Derby's out of order. You're out of order. I had to turn off Miss Pacino's microphone. He was getting very unruly. And uh, he is... I don't know what he got into earlier, but he's uh, he's, he's, he's very... Uh, 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 he's very he's very wound up today, so I, I don't know. I got to keep a leash on him. Hey, let me tell you something. Uh, on mic, Mr. Pacino. Uh, yeah, thank you, son. All right. Hey, listen. Let me just say this right now to anybody listening to this program right now in regards to me. All right. You can come to my house. You can eat my food. You can fuck my wife. But you may not watch my fucking television. All right, Pacino, geez, settle down. Gosh, all right. Until racing officials notified him that Medina Spirit tested positive for beta-methasone. How the heck did they do that? You know, how, how do they, how did they do that? Like, what do they do? Do they draw blood from the horse? Or, you know, do they make the, do they make, do they make the horse take a urine sample or give a urine sample? Which, how does that work exactly? Like, if a horse is asked to give a urine sample, like, what do they use? Like, what, exa- what exactly do they use? You know, what do they use for a cup? Do they use one of those old big gulp cups from 7-Eleven? Do they use a 10-gallon hat? What the? 
how the heck did they do that, man? I mean, it's a horse. I mean, you know, the horse, you know, the average horse weighs like, I don't know, two, three thousand pounds, maybe. I don't know. I don't know how much a dang horse weighs. Anyway, continuing. That is a steroid used to treat inflammation, but banned on race day. Oh, not good. Not good. Today, Baffert claimed that the horse was the victim of cancel culture. Uh, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> wait a second now. The horse was a victim of cancel culture? Oh, hold on a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on a second. Hold on a minute. <laughs> That's going to be one of the most ridiculous things. I hold on a second. Cancel culture. <laughs> wait a second. The horse. They can lick a the victim. Inflammation. Of cancel. Wait a minute. Claimed that the was the. And. And the okay, hang on. I'm just setting something up. <clears throat> okay. So this guy's trying to say that the horse was a victim of cancel culture. Hold on a minute now. That, uh, that doesn't, I don't know, that doesn't seem, I don't know, that does not seem, I don't know, that, that doesn't seem possible. How exactly, like, okay, okay, if, okay, in what way is this horse a victim of cancel culture? What the, what happened? What the heck happened? Did the horse all of a sudden just make a YouTube channel and tell a racist joke? Is that what happened? <laughs> did uh, uh, did Mr. Ed make a wisecrack about horses on YouTube and people are upset about it? <clears throat> like, do you look in front of the camera and go, Hey, guys, what's this sound? And then he goes... That's an Amish drive-by shooting. Hey, everybody. Hey, here's another one for you. Stop if you heard this one, Wilbur. What would you call an Amish guy with his hand in a horse's ass? A mechanic. Hey, everybody. <laughs> That's a great one. That's a great one around the stable. So, yeah, the horse a victim of cancel culture. <laughs> what? That, that, that does not add up. So, something about that does not add up at all. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm puzzled by that. The horse, a victim of cancel culture, isn't that something? Cancel culture, isn't that something? I think that I think that's slowly becoming the new buzzword these days. You know, if you don't like something, cancel culture, no matter what it is. It's like ten years ago. I'd say like ten. Yeah, I'd say like ten years ago. The big. You know, the buzzword was bullies or bullying. Now it's cancel culture. I can't imagine what it's going to be like 10 years from now. It's probably going to be something just as equally repetitive. And that the test sample or even the horse itself could have been easily contaminated. Wait, wait, wait. Well, well, wait a second. Well, okay, okay. The sample, okay, maybe, may, may, maybe, they, maybe they probably switched up, switched up in the lab, maybe, but... How could the horse have been contaminated? I mean, like, what the heck did the horse do? Did the horse eat some raw ground beef or something? What the heck? What is... Uh, what, what, what's going on? This is so confusing. Anyway, continuing. It's so easily get contaminated. They can lick a wall. They can do... It's just so easy now. But 
<laughs> when they're testing at these levels, it's ridiculous. But his horses have been flagged with at least 30 medication violations over his four-decade career. Well, wow. Okay. So, like, how exactly does this work? Like, is this like, I don't know, is, is, there, is, this some, is this some, like, underground horse medicine pill trading kind of a thing that we don't know about? Is there, like, an underground secret society of people meet each other behind abandoned warehouses? Hey, man. Look, this right here is the testosterone you need for your horse, all right? And I'm going to need $300 up front, plus I'm going to need $40 for the down payment, and also $60 for getting this shipped from my friend in Houston, all right? So I need my $400, and, uh, oh, oh, let's say you got, oh, you got the, uh, I got the human growth. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Okay, yeah. Okay, look, I'm going to need uh, 12 bottles of those and uh, 13 bottles of that uh, B12 stuff and uh, a uh, suppository. All right. Hey, thanks, man. All right. Hey, look, no one saw this, right? Okay, good. Yeah, there's no cameras here. All right, good. All right, go, go, go. There have been five in the last year. Some were overturned on appeal. How do you overcome the perception that Bob Baffert cheats? Unfortunately, when you keep winning, they're testing, and it's it's one of those things where we just work hard. Here's race. Well, that didn't you know? He didn't he 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 didn't really say all that much there. He just said he, he just said works hard. It's like okay, great, but like that doesn't really answer the question all that much. He says like how like you know it's I, I don't know hard. Here's racing expert Ray Pollock. <laughs> racing expert. <laughs> Live on CNN, a racing expert. <laughs> I think it's a racing expert. I mean, that's like, it's like, uh, kind of reminds me a little bit of that George Cardin line about, uh, about how there's a magazine called Walking. Walking! For Christ's sake! Walking! There's actually a fucking magazine called Walking! Look, Dan, the new Walking is out! Here's a good article, putting one foot in front of the other. <laughs> Racing expert. That, that's something. Ray Pollock. The bottom line for Bob Baffert is that uh, he's very likely going to lose a Kentucky Derby and that his name will be uh, tarnished, uh, not just now, but into the future. Oh, well, that's the case. Well, then he screwed that up, and it, and it, and it looks like the follow-up has been confirmed. Yes, the horse did take roids. So here's the deal. If the second test comes back positive, officials here at Pimlico with the Preakness is going to be run this weekend might try and disqualify the horse. If they do that, Baffert's legal team says they're going to race to a judge to try and get the judge uh, to ha, say ha, he'll ha. let the horse run. By the way, Nora, Bob Baffert apparently is not coming to the Preakness this weekend because he thinks he might end up being too much of a distraction now. Wow. Man, this guy's yellow. <laughs> this guy's yellow. He doesn't want to take accountability for his actions. Just my opinion. He looks guilty. <laughs> he he, he looked he looked guilty, Your Honor. That that's that that's that that's 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 my that's my that's my blind that's my blind verdict. <laughs> blind verdict concerning uh, the uh, 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 the trainer for the horse at uh, the Kentucky Derby testing positive for steroids, Your Honor. I Lawrence Ross guilty. He looks guilty, Your Honor. Next case. Next case. Next case. All right. Here's one about a drunk driver who has been asked not to make any contact with uh, 
with a family. And now I'd like to give you my stance. I know that last week I gave a very, very passionate stance about uh, people who drive past the blind who are trying to cross the road when, when they when they when they drive right past them and they don't stop for them. I went through my list of uh, how I believe it should uh, how it should be, but uh, in any event, uh, this drunk driving thing, I feel that if you get caught drunk driving once and you didn't kill anybody, okay, a f- okay, a fine, maybe okay, one hundred dollars. All right, one hundred dollars, and if you get three DUIs of when you don't kill anybody. After that, excuse me, after the six months, no, no, I'm sorry, after the third DUI, no, I'm sorry, let me back up a little bit. First DUI, $100. Second DUI, $200. Mandated traffic classes. Third DUI, permanent revocation of license, jail for life, regardless if he killed somebody or not. And I would go to fall, and I would go as, and I would go as so far to say that I feel that if you, you know, that if, now let me just say this: I am not, in any way, shape, or form, condoning drunk driving and somebody dying as a result of it. But if that is the case with someone, and they've, you know, they've done it, and they, you know, if you know. In all fairness, when you go out driving, you don't intend to kill people. Really, it's 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 kind of unintentional. It's 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 involuntary vehicular manslaughter. I think is the charge. But I mean, sometimes road road rage happens. But that's you know, it's a whole other thing. But I mean, if 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 you've you know if you've been hit with a DUI and you killed somebody, I would say maximum, maximum. 25 to life because you know what you took someone's life and anyway okay so there you go that's 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 the way i see it three duis no deaths uh jail for life permanent revocation of license dui i don't care involuntary Voluntary. I don't care what it is. You killed someone. You should be in jail for life. I don't care how remorseful somebody is. No. A life has been taken. Consequences must be experienced. A woman accused of killing her cousin in a DUI crash was given no bond by a judge this afternoon. Good. No bond whatsoever. No bond. No bail. 24-year-old Jennifer Carvajal was already on probation after being convicted of another DUI death back in 2014. Wow, okay, right there. Back in 2014. Back in 2014, she should have had her license permanently revoked. And by the way, uh, and, and, and by the way, doing the math, that would mean that she was either only 18 or 17. So if that's the case, then she should have been charged with consuming alcohol, under the age of 21, which I think it should be 18, but unfortunately that will never change. Thanks a lot, society. Um, but 
Yeah, they should have locked her up for life the first time. But no, they didn't. Idiots. Here we go. 14. As Fox 13's Jennifer Holton reports, investigators are still looking for witnesses to piece together what happened in this latest deadly crash. So we're here on State of Florida versus Jennifer Carvajal. They were words Jennifer Carvajal has heard before. And Monday afternoon, the 24-year-old was back in a familiar place, criminal court. Two weeks ago, investigators say Carvajal was behind the wheel when a trooper clocked her going 111 miles an hour on I-4. Oh, that's not good. And, and I, th- I think for, 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 all, for, all, for, for the out-of-state, uh, uh, for people who don't live in Florida, I think... I think I four or I two seventy five is 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 colloquially known as malfunction junction because it's always because it's always like jam packed and you can barely go where you want to go. It's it's crazy. Anyway, here we uh, continue. Carvajal drove off the road and crashed into the Gator Ford dealership. Her cousin Pedro Carvajal was killed. Two other passengers were severely injured. At the time of the crash, she was on probation for a similar drunk driving crash that killed a 52-year-old man back in 2014 in Hillsborough County. Monday, the state attorney's office argued Carvajal should not be released from jail while her case is pending. And I don't think she should be released from jail at all. I don't give a fuck if her case is still pending or not. She has killed two people behind the wheel while drunk. She cannot be trusted with a damn driver's license. Put me behind the wheel. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure I could do a lot better than a drunk driver. Indicating she is a danger to society. Well, no shit, Sherlock. Of course she's a danger to society. Judge Catherine Catlin making a decision. On the one count of DUI manslaughter that still did not have a bond on it, I'm going to uh, grant the state's motion for pretrial detention and hold you without bond on that one count. Judge, I'm prepared to call the first witness. Though witnesses were present, including troopers Joshua Lugo and Jason Moore, they did not speak. We also saw Pedro Carvajal's mother, Jasmine Dominguez, who prosecutor Stephanie Pizarro says Carvajal has tried contacting after the crash. This defendant, um, both directly. You know, that's, you know, if, if that was, you know, if that was, uh, uh, if I lost somebody to a drunk driving accident and they tried contacting me, I would tell them, you know what? Are you the person who caused it? And if they said yes, I'd say, you know what? Fuck you. Go to fucking hell. Don't you ever contact me, you son of a bitch. I hope you fucking go to jail for the rest of your life. You took the life of someone who I love. Fuck you and the horse you rode on, you piece of shit. Hope you get jail for life and you never come out. And I hope you drop the soap every night. Piece of shit. That's what I would tell someone if they, you know, if they tried, uh, uh, if they tried contacting me uh, in result of a drunk driving thing. Fucking sons of bitches. And indirectly has made attempts to reach out to the victims in this case and the family of the deceased victim in this case. The judge approved a motion to prevent Carvajal from doing so in the future. Ha ha. Jennifer Holton, Fox 13 News. Well, that'll learn her. That'll fucking learn her. And you know what? I don't know. You know what? I don't know what she looks like, but I'm pretty sure she probably looked really fucking ugly. All right. All right. What's this here? Okay. 
Okay, th this... Okay. Uh, seems to be a very big thing these days, and admittedly, I don't know a lot about oil pipelines, so you're going to have to forgive me for this. America is on high alert for cyber attacks to critical infrastructure as the FBI has identified the group behind the ransomware attack that forced this country's largest fuel pipeline to shut down. Oh, man. That sucks. Sucks when you got that ransomware stuff. Why doesn't, you know, why can't these... You know, why can't the people who are being asked to pay the ransomware, why can't they, you know, why can't they tell the people who are making this ransomware, hey, go fuck yourself. Your IP should be blocked from trying to mess with what we're doing. CBS's Jeff Begays is following the investigation. Tonight, U.S. officials are pointing the finger at a shadowy Russian cyber hacking group blaming... Duh. Dang Russians again. Them for Friday's attack that caused nearly half the fuel supply flowing to the northeast to come to a grinding halt. We are going to make all the oil stop. We need more vodka, damn it. We're going to be meeting with President Putin. The White House now calling it a criminal act. So far, there is no evidence based on from our intelligence people that Russia is involved. Although there is evidence that the actors ransomware is in Russia. They have some responsibility to deal with this. The Russian-affiliated hacking group known as DarkSide implanted ransomware into Colonial Pipeline's business computers, holding their company data hostage. That forced them to shut down 5,500 miles of pipeline that supplies fuel from Texas to New Jersey. Oh, man. wow, 5,500 miles. Wow, yeah, 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 Te Texas to New Jersey, yeah, that's, that's pretty damn critical because it's texas you know they ended up locking up the systems uh, where colonial can't use them and they're demanding a multi-million dollar uh, ransom and uh, to be able to get access back to that network it's not known whether the company has or will pay that ransom but the suspension in the pipeline's operations has caused gas prices to tick up across the affected region oh man and uh um uh and uh, saw something a while back that said, or uh, I think it was the other day, something effective uh, when uh, um, uh, uh, <clears throat> when uh, when Bush was in the White House, uh, you know, uh, gas prices were this. Then when Obama took office, they went up. But, you know, but I was thinking about that. I'm thinking, you know, back in 2000, I remember everybody was just going nuts when gas was like a dollar forty five a gallon. Oh my goodness, people are losing their minds. They're like, what the hell? Dollar fifty-six for gas? Oh, this is ridiculous. Dollar fifty-six a gallon? Screw this. And then of course as the years went by, of course it went up and up and up, regardless as to who was in office. And of course, during uh, Hurricane Katrina in 2005, when George W. Bush, a Republican, was in the White House, uh, gas was nearly three bucks a gallon, so there you go. So I guess the Price of oil is always going to go up regardless as to who is behind it, I think. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have I don't have all the statistics. I don't have Jim Cramer's number on speed dial. I can't call him up so he can get on the horn and tell me about rising beef prices while he plays a cow sound effect and if he wants to tell me about pork he'll hit the pig sound effect and if he wants to tell me about how things are doing with apple or whatever he'll hit a bunch of iphone sound effects while he while he enthusiastically tells me that if you're able to do this you could 
you know, in all fairness, I never really have, you know, I've, you know, I haven't watched enough Jim Cramer to truly understand him. So, so this, so this bit is absolutely 100% pointless. Okay, bit's dead. Okay, moving along. Uh, one, one, one more thing. Okay, let's see. All right. Uh, this, this is something that. Uh, okay. Okay, this 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 is something. This this is about a woman who took money from her rich husband because I guess she claims that a psychic told her to do it. This this is really weird. A young, pretty woman marries a much older, wealthy man. Soon. Probably not for his love. Probably only for his money. So she's a gold digger. Strike one. Soon, more than a million dollars goes missing. She ended up pleading guilty and then was deported. Ouch! There's a prize for you. Now, on the surface, that sums up the story of Lynn Halfen. But dig a little bit deeper. You're going to learn more about the mysterious reasons why she says she stole and why someone else could still eventually be charged. Fox 13's Gloria Gomez begins a new series called Tampa Bay True Crime. Wow, what a way to pass the buck. I mean, I mean, this is this is a woman saying that a psychic did it. So my question is, I mean, what does she have her own little crystal ball of uh, like, like what's like, you know, what, what's what's that going to be like? I mean, you know, uh, uh. What did she go to the psychic and the psychic? Uh, what did she go to the psychic one day and the psychic said, "I'm looking in my crystal ball. I'm envisioning you currently getting deported because you stole money." I honestly don't know. Anyway, gets it doing miles. And tonight she examines the case of Lynn Halfen. This young girl is, is was not the scheming horrific solo actor in this case. Do you swear or affirm testimony you're about to give will be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Where? <laughs> What's with the little dings in the background? I feel like I'm I feel like I'm on I feel like I'm on Facebook and I'm getting messages from people. <laughs> bing bing left and right. Like, come on, just like you know, just like you know, just let the music play in the background as is and just, you know, the whole story from there. There's always a danger in rushing to judgment. And what may appear to be isn't always what <laughs> occurred. Tell me your name and date of birth, please. In Helena Halfon, September 15, 93. Lynn Halfon spent 13 okay, months yeah. in jail for stealing a million dollars from her wealthy husband, Tampa businessman Richard Rappaport. In January, she took a plea deal. How do you plead today? Guilty. Guilty. <laughs> the flashy headlines called her a gold digger. Yep, told you. Appaport was 50 years older than Halfon when the two secretly tied the knot. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> How did they secretly... Hang on a second now. Hold on a second now. Wait, wait, hang on a second now. Wait, hang on a second. Hang, hang on, hang on. Hang on a second now. Hang on. Hang on. This is so unbelievable. Hold on a second now. Hang on. Hang on, I gotta divert to my, uh, this is unbelievable guy. Are you gonna tell me they got married in secret? He's 50 years older than she is, and he's a businessman. How'd they get married in secret? What the hell'd they do? Does he have, like, a vault or something that he decked out to look like, uh, an altar or something, and they lock lips or something? What's that all about? And what's he gonna do? He's 50 years older than she is. It's not like she's going to be able to have sex with him or anything. Ooh, uh, gosh, she's unattractive. All right. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. But what no one knew was that their marriage was a bit crowded. <laughs> their marriage was a bit crowded. <laughs> oh, 
marriage their marriage was a bit crowded <laughs> i've never heard it described like that that's a new one bit crowded i, I like that Someone else was sharing their wedding bliss. There are a lot of tricky people out there that will go to any means to separate individuals from their money. Halfon's attorney, Ted Foster, says his client was under the spell of a psychic. She was... <laughs> Wait, 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 wait a second now. So, let me get this straight. This individual is so... I don't know. She's so easily duped that she lets I mean, she lets somebody with a crystal ball push her around i mean you know wouldn't you know would she eventually come to her senses okay well look okay well the long and short of the story is basically um uh she starts seeing this psychic and the psychic says to her that she's gonna need more money for this to happen for certain things to happen and then finally she says okay one million dollars please and so she goes so so this woman, she went to a liquor store to cash it, the million dollar check that the psychic wrote her. But when they went to, but the people at the liquor store, they're like, no, we're not cashing this. So she tried splitting it up into three separate checks. And, th and then I guess they realized, wait a second, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's frick, it's, it's, the it's, uh, you know, we're looking at this number here. Wait a second. Where'd this come from? And then, well, that's how that's end. That's how that ended. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that, that concludes, <clears throat> well, ladies and gentlemen, this concludes the first hour of the Lawrence Ross Show in the books and down the drain. Uh, coming up in the second hour, a lot of stuff uh, in commemoration of a guy who makes me laugh. And you will find out who he is. I know I talked, I know that I've mentioned him on this program numerous times. Uh, but anyway, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for tuning in. This is the Lawrence Ross Show, 813-602-2715, ladies only. I know that there is somebody who keeps texting that number who is a man. Okay, I am going to let that individual pass through. Uh, but uh, I want to do ladies only, but it looks like I'm not going to be able to do ladies only. <laughs> yes, butthead. <laughs> you said do. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Hey, look, man. And not for nothing, but I'm in the same boat as you guys. <coughs> really? You can't score either? <coughs> yeah, yeah, look. I mean, I'll, I mean, look, I'll, 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 I'll take us in private. Cool. <laughs> it's not really all that cool, man. As I say, I'm in the same boat as you. Uh, boats are pretty cool. <laughs> all right. Slides Ross Show. Sorry about that. <clears throat> It's Lawrence Ross Show back after this. The following message has not been approved by any snowflakes, social justice warriors, authorities of the language police, or any special interest group that's trying to dumb down America. I suggest you get your pathetic, weak-willed little butt out of here now! This is the Lawrence Ross Show.
Blind fool on Google and come across this picture. I want to Google you. You're like everything, and this shirt is everything. Don't say we didn't warn you. This is the Lawrence Ross Show. Stood there bowling, sweating in the sun. Fell like a million. The Lawrence Ross Show. How's it going? Like 813-602-2715. Ladies only tonight. I'd never felt that so far, that experiment is going about I'm as well as you would think. <laughs> You're not laughing at that. Uh, no. <laughs> he said rock. <laughs> Didn't yeah, yeah. Rocks are cool. Uh, I got a rock for peanuts. You guys ever listen to Bob Seger? <laughs> um, no. Uh, Bob Seger? <laughs> They're known as the, the Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band. Whoa, really? Bullets are cold. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can you like get us a gun or something? <laughs> No, I, 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 I've, I've, I've never really thought about owning a gun. I mean, I got a BB gun, but it's, it's empty. One of my friends sent it to me a long time ago. Cool. Ugh. Hey, Beavis. Remember that one time we shot that BB gun at Stewart? Ugh. Yeah, yeah. That was really cool. All right, fellas. Just go back to the couch. And, uh, yeah. Yes, 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 I know. Uh, that's pretty cool. Ugh. Yeah, you guys are looking at the uh, the picture. Yeah, yeah. Whoa, really? Yeah. And I stood yeah. I normally don't let the song run this long, but I just love I I, I love this part right here. I, I I love this solo here. This is awesome. I stood proud and I stood tall, high above it all. I still believe in my dreams. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> that is good stuff right there, man. That is good stuff. Bob Seger. Bob Seger and the Silver, Silver Bullet Band, everybody. <clears throat> and my dad got me hooked onto him. It was like in, I think in 2004, I think, was when I really started to listen to his music. I guess you could say a little bit more because uh, my dad had the uh, the Bob Seger Greatest Hits album. And he played the daylights out of it, man. Loves that damn thing. I love it. It's, it's on my phone. It's, it's a great album. It's fantastic. It's awesome. Okay. And, uh, well, I'm enjoying a uh, Pepsi right now. Yeah, uh, let me just say this right now, man. You're enjoying a Pepsi now, mm-hmm. but five years from now, you're not going to be enjoying a Pepsi. What do you mean five years from now, I'm not going to be enjoying a Pepsi? Five years from now, you're going to be in a hospital bed with tubes and stuff going in and out of you, and you won't be doing your show anymore. 
because you pretty much will have just given up because nobody buys your stuff. And, uh, okay, dude, you're getting way too personal, man. All right. You're, I don't know, man. I think you're hitting below the belt today, man. So just, uh, all right. Well, <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I've uh, I've I've always I've always enjoyed I've always enjoyed this and well I've um I've re- I've, I've really I've really enjoyed the new segment of uh, highlighting people who have made me laugh and this and this individual is no exception. Wait, stand uh stand by for stand by for the proper introduction. While he's stuffing his face with snacks, he ate like 27 candy bars or drinking soda to the point of possibly getting a kidney stone. And then he like drank a six pack of root beer. He's enjoying content that makes him happy. You clowns think you're so damn funny. Time for people who make Lawrence laugh. Tell me, tell me what's funny. New York native George Dennis Patrick Carlin. Quite possibly in my book, Probably one of the greatest comedians I've ever heard. Very smart, very informative, and the best part is that you know he you know he'd make you laugh, but he'd also make you think too. And he he, he was he was he was big into that. But just just but just give me a little, little interesting little backstory about George, which uh, this is a. Uh, um, uh, and, th- and these these are all uh, uh, these are all stories from the book Last Words, which is published. Uh, after his death, it was written by uh, uh, it was written by George, uh, and the uh, and the writer and the co-writer was Tony Hendra, and Tony Hendra, he and George had met each other in the '60s when they were both up and coming, struggling uh, comedians, and uh, and so ev- eventually, uh, um, uh, so eventually Tony Hendra he, he started in, in around uh, the late '80s, early '90s, he decided to start writing about comedy. And uh, and he reconnected with George, and uh, a couple years later, George said to him, "Hey, look, uh, I'm putting together this uh, book uh, about uh, about my life. I want someone to take a look at it." So, so so uh, um, uh, uh, so they uh, uh, so they had various conversations, and uh, um, it was all called together in this book, "Last Words." And uh, for instance, here's something I did not know: I did not know that. Uh, George Carlin's father, Patrick Carlin, he was, at the time, uh, uh, in 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 the twenties and thirties, he was a he was a big big he was he was he was he he uh, um uh uh he worked at a, a newspaper company and he was he was big there he was he was he was he was he was an advertising agent basically and uh, and he, he was very powerful and he met a woman named Mary. Uh, af- after after his first wife died of a heart attack, uh, because Patrick was a violent drunk, a very violent drunk, so he met Mary, and and so so they, so, so they they they, they got married, and then then they split up, and then they reconciled, and during this one weekend of reconciliation in August of thirty six, George Carlin was conceived at Rockaway Beach at Curly's Hotel. So the story goes, and uh, nine months later, May twelfth, nineteen thirty-seven, George was born. And here's something: the obstetrician who helped deliver him was the same doctor who delivered the Lindbergh baby. So there you go. Interesting thing there for you. So, and actually, before before that even happened, in October of thirty-six, 
uh, George's mom went to uh, a uh, 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 to get a scraping. That, that's a, that's what they called it back then. It was it was an abortion. It was a scraping back then. So she's in the waiting room, and she's uh, she's waiting her turn. And all of a sudden, she sees the picture of her mom who passed away. I'm sorry. She she sees the face of her dead mom who pa- uh, 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 her mom who passed away six months early, in uh, in in a uh, uh, in in a painting on the wall, and she took that as a sign of great great disapproval from beyond beyond the grave. So she walked out of the office and she says, "Pat, I'm having this baby." And then in May of 1937, I say George was born, and uh, like two. Like two months of him being like two months of him being born, he had to uh, he and his family had to leave the house because their dad was coming and uh, and they just uh, 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 they just didn't want to deal with him because he he was he was he was problematic he would hit people all that stuff he he, he just it was just problematic so there there was there was one time where, and what triggered it was one night George's dad comes home late he's drunk and. He and he says he said she says she says to him why can't we have meals together and why can't we have nice things and he and he says well here's I think of your nice stuff there Mary and he dropped uh uh, uh he dropped his tea set from their six story window and then she decided okay I'm out of here I'm out boom gone <laughs> so. <clears throat> So years went by, and George, uh, he was very captivated by radio. He loved radio, no matter what it was. He was enthralled by it. And he said the first time that he was funny was when he started uh, doing uh, uh, just uh, little, you know, little, uh, uh, little short routines and stuff and just finding what his A material was back then. And uh, then, his years, then his years went by, he went into the Air Force. He was, uh, he, he was, he was court-martialed several times. And this story always, uh, um, uh, so well. So while while he was in while he was in uh, the army, no, I'm sorry. Uh, 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 while he was in the air force, uh, he got a job at a radio station. He he w- he was not he was. Uh, um, now I'm not sure if this is from Louisiana or if this is from wherever, but here's 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 a little. Let's see where is it. All right. This this is a this is a little intro that uh, that ran when he was doing radio, way way back in the day. So here you go, and uh, and I'll tell you where I got it from after this. So here you go. This this, this is a cute little thing here. Okay, then, Solid, how you doing? Lots of music coming up for you between now and 5.45. Got the brand new Everly Brothers record, and we'll be playing both sides of it for you. In addition to listening to Elvis's latest, came out this week, and we'll get things started with the new one by Chuck Berry. Stick around. Good things happening here on 1480 at Carlin's Corner. Ah, there you go. It's up to listen, cause here we go on the George Carlin Show. Yeah. All right. So that is from 
Uh, that's from a box set, which I imagine is long out of print. It's called The Little David Years, and it, it catalogs his stuff from the 70s. But, but, but trying to go chronologically, uh, while, he was, uh, uh, while he was in the Air Force, he, he somehow got a hold of an album by Lenny Bruce. And he started listening to Lenny Bruce, and he really loved it. And so he eventually, he eventually went to Boston at W-E-Z-E. And uh, while he was there, he met a guy named Jack Burns. And they eventually became Burns and Carlin, very successful comedy duo. And then they, then they went their separate ways. But a story that I've always found to be very, very strange. And well, off to, off to, off to uh, well, you know, I might as well just go and tell it now. Because when I, when I heard it, I kind of I envisioned it being something you'd hear on, uh, it would kind of sound like something you would hear, say, on maybe the rest of the story with Paul Harvey. So I've always, I don't know. So I've always, I don't know. I've, I've always had an affinity for um, uh, that the, these these kind of uh, stories. So uh, so George is a W E Z E. He's in Boston, and one night he was the board op for the station. And what you got to remember is this is back in the late fifties, early sixties, whenever this was. They didn't have, yeah, you know, they didn't have, you know, they didn't have tape. It was all live. So. So if your so if your program went over schedule, well, hey, sorry about that, man. You get preempted for the news, man. I mean, you know, we we got stuff we got to do. So it's a uh, so it's a Wednesday evening, and he's uh, and he's he's broadcasting Cardinal Cushing, and Cardinal Cushing. He comes on at six forty-five, and he's supposed to do the segment, which is supposed to last x amount of minutes and then they can go right into the news well he starts his segment and he gets a little carried away with what he's talking about and then he starts and then he starts in on what he wants to say but the clock is just clicking it is just it's ticking away it's going up to seven so george is like okay what okay i can either a continue this broadcast or turn the guy down and put the news up so we can run this alka-seltzer spot so seven o'clock approaches, and right at seven o'clock, the Cardinals off the air. On comes the news on time. Alcatraz spot runs on time. Everything seems good. All of a sudden, the phone rings, and on the other end is uh, Cardinal Cushing, and he is not very happy, and he demands to know <clears throat> who turned the word of God off the radio tonight. And George said to him, uh, Cardinal Cushing, this is George Carlin, and I am doing a. Uh, 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 and I have a log that I have to follow, according to the Federal Communications Commission, and uh, and and and, ev- and eventually, and uh, the station backed him up on it. So in 1962, it was it was a moment that really turned Carlin's life into uh, what he strived to uh, make it, because he was originally this family friendly. Uh, comic and in 1962 he was in chicago to see lenny bruce and it was the show where lenny bruce got busted for obscenity this is back in 62 when you get busted for obscenity and then of course it's really wild because uh as we saw 27 28 years later uh two live crew when they released the album as nasty as they want to be in florida by the way it was illegal to sell the album because the album was labeled to be so indecent. When meanwhile, at the exact same record store, you could go to another shelf, you go to the comedy section, you could probably pick up Andrew Dice Clay's, like, Dice or Dice Rules or, you know, or any of that stuff. No problem. But uh, two live crew is nasty as they want to be. Oh, nope, nope. 
banned. Nope, nope, nope. Illegal to sell, but eventually it was overturned. But in 62, uh, Lenny gets busted for obscenity, and George got busted himself because he didn't have a government ID on him. So he and Lenny shared the same paddy wagon that evening, and they became friends, and... uh, And so then, in 67, Carlin released his first uh, solo album, Takeoffs and Put-Ons, which is a bit, uh, which which has a lot of uh, radio, which has which has a lot of television parodies, which is really funny. Then he had in 72, he had two albums, FM and AM, uh, which was uh, some radio stuff and some TV stuff as well, and some other, and 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 some and some other observations and things of that nature. Then in 72, he dropped the iconic Class Clan album, which had the Seven Dirty Words bitten of which. I got a whole thing from the Weird History Channel about the uh, about the case, about uh, about these seven words you can never say on television. So let's have some fun with this. The 1950s and early 1960s were relatively conservative times in America, even for comedians. Lenny Bruce, however, was a notable exception. Yes, he was one of the first comics of the era to do obviously taboo material. Yeah, but, you know, in all fairness, I tried listening to some Lenny Bruce. I really, really did. I tried giving it a fair shake, and it honestly did not, I don't know, I don't, I don't, I don't think it holds up. I don't think it does. I think it's, I think it's the timing, really. Continuing. Bruce was a hit in many quarters. However, he remained a controversial figure to much of the country. Figure. He was arrested for public obscenity five times between 1961 and 1964. Yeah, and there's a, there's actually an excerpt, uh, there's actually a part in the book where George was talking about how the people who were judging uh, Lenny Bruce for his words, his trial was held on Ash Wednesday. So he goes in the courtroom and you see all these judges and jury, you know, you see all these jury members with the big ash cross on their forehead. And it's like, wait a second, you guys are judging, you know, you guys are judging this guy based on his words. And you just, you know, you just got this big plus sign on your head. One of those arrests would change the course of a young George Carlin's career. Carlin originally presented himself with a wholesome, clean-cut image and a soft, family-friendly act. However, in 1962, Carlin was arrested alongside Lenny Bruce. While Carlin himself was only detained for not carrying an ID, the intrusive experience and the effect it had on Bruce's career left an impression. Years later, Carlin would also recall feeling like a traitor who was entertaining huh. the fathers and mothers of the people he actually sympathized and associated with. Huh, that's kind of strange. I don't think, you know, I don't think it's the case at all. I mean, I think that he was, you know, I think that he was probably just one of the greatest, you know, ever. And and I just, uh, 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 and, uh, you know, well, hang on. I just want to get through this and I want to tell you just a little bit more about him and then just how I discovered him and then I got to, uh, okay, it, it, hang on. I gotta co- yeah, I gotta compartmentalize, compartmentalize, Lawrence. Okay, here we go. Subsequently, he began to grow out his hair and beard, and his comedy became edgier and more socially conscious. <laughs> the hairpiece bit from his FM and AM album. Check it out. It's pretty damn funny. He resolved to push boundaries, just like Lenny Bruce. Very proud that he did. Here we go. George Carlin's famous seven words you can never say on television routine was first developed and recorded in 1972. On May 27th in uh, Santa Monica, California, I believe, according to the liner notes. And this is this is this is a different version of it. And it's censored, but I wanted to leave it in just because a it's part of the video. And also it's I don't know, it's 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 unintentionally funny. I mean, you know, 
Anyway, continuing. And here's the list of words your dad and I don't ever want to hear you say. Cursing was highly taboo, and the bit examined how it was possible simple words could be so harmful that audiences had to be protected from hearing them. Boy, that's going to save me an ass kicking or two. <laughs> Those words, pit, sucker, mother, and tits. Wait, wait, hang on a second now. That, that's so strange because they beep out six of the words except for sucker and cocksucker, but they don't beep out tits, <laughs> which kind of makes sense because he has that thing in the bit where he says tits is a friendly sounding word, which it kind of is. <laughs> kind of is. Oh, gosh. Man, do I miss him. It was an instant success. Crowds loved to hear Carlin do the routine, and he would continue to refine and perform it for decades to come. In July of 1972, Carlin performed at Milwaukee's Summerfest. One of the routines he performed there was the Seven Words monologue, and after completing it, he was arrested for obscenity. And from what I heard was, the police were on stage, they were ready to arrest him as soon as he got off. But what happened was, it could have been a lot worse. And his wife, Brenda, was there to tell him, hey, look, uh, George, just let you know, the uh, the cops are here to arrest you for obscenity. So you say, he goes, okay. So, 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 so he does the bit, and before he goes off stage, he goes off to either the left or the right or wherever, wherever these other guys were. It was like a band. It was a band. I, I can't remember which band it was, but he gave him a little bag of heroin just like real quick. He's like, hey, look, uh, you know, I'm going to get busted with this stuff. So here, you guys take it, and uh, I'll just get busted for obscenity. So there you go. <laughs> Quick thinking, I'll, I'll give him that. Carlin would eventually beat the charges in court. With a judge ruling, his language was indecent, but not illegal. In a Fuck yeah, there you go. In a masterful act of trolling, Carlin would temporarily rename the bit The Milwaukee Seven. <laughs> the Milwaukee Seven, I love that. He would later find it funny that he was hassled over saying the seven words when his whole intention in the first place was to free people from being hassled over saying the words. <laughs> Something to think about. They're just the words we can't say all the time. <laughs> While the trouble over the seven words in Milwaukee may have passed, that wasn't the end of it. In 1973, John H. Douglas, a self-appointed media watchdog, Wimp, heard the routine on the radio while he was driving his son home after visiting colleges. His 15-year-old son, by the way, who I'm pretty sure has heard much worse. <laughs> and has probably said much worse in his private life, too. So, you know... <laughs> Let's not kid ourselves, folks. It happens. The station was WBAI, an affiliate of Pacifica Radio, and they had actually been airing the uncensored routine as part of an intellectual discussion about language taboos. Yeah, and the host actually said before he runs the thing, he says, just want to let everybody know that this may contain some coarse language, so you probably might want to, you probably might want to uh, tune out if you're easily offended. Backed by his organization, Morality and Media, Douglas filed a complaint with the FCC. Fake outrage, man. Just, you know, just change the dang channel. Phony baloney, fake outrage. That's all it was. Fake outrage. That is all any complaint to the FCC over content has ever been. Howard Stern got fined because I think of fake outrage. Bubba the Love Sponge got fined because I think of fake outrage. That's just my point. I think anybody who has ever called the FCC to complain about someone's language is just exhibiting fake 
outrage. They don't want to admit that they enjoyed what they heard. They're too much of a bunch of cowards to admit it. That's what they are. So they hide behind the cloak of children. And oh my goodness, this should not be allowed on the public airwaves. This man should be condemned for his disgusting, offensive language. Oh, such, oh, that is absolutely blasphemous that Howard Stern would say such things about this individual. It's all fake outrage. Fake outrage. They don't want to admit that they actually enjoyed the content, so they decide to try and deprive someone of their jobs. That was cancel culture back in the 70s. Call the FCC like a little pussy, like a little baby because you got offended by a word so so rather than just reach over and just eh, eh, change the dial a little bit what are you gonna do uh yes good morning fcc i was listening to a radio show and the host made a penis joke and i was very offended and he should be fined twenty seven thousand five hundred forty seven dollars because children were listening and it's very damaging to their psyche oh and also uh praise jesus and asked that Pacifica lose its license to broadcast. The FCC's investigation of the incident would last months. Finally, in 1975, Douglas's complaint was upheld, and Pacifica was issued a warning. Of particular concern to the commission was that the broadcast went out at 2 p.m., a time they believed many children would be listening. Yeah, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, go and try and tell me that children are listening bullcrap again. Two o'clock in the afternoon, man. Aren't a lot of kids in school and stuff like that? Maybe hanging out with their friends. You don't see, you know, in all fairness, in all fairness, you don't see a 12-year-old at two o'clock in the afternoon with a boombox listening to 93.3 WTTR. You don't see that. (laughs) They're listening to 93.3 on their phone, man. That's how they do it. No sanctions or fines were imposed in the end, but the commission warned Pacifica that future complaints could potentially lead to the cancellation of their license. Pacifica, as you might imagine, wasn't happy having a threat like that hanging over their corporate head, so they sued the FCC in federal court. Yes! Take these bastards down! Good! The case, known as Federal Communications Commission versus Pacifica Foundation, was initially decided by the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit. In a two-to-one vote, the court ruled the FCC did not have the power to order Pacifica to stop broadcasting the seven words routine. Yes, that's telling them. One of the judge's opinions stated that the time of the broadcast was irrelevant. Yep, there you go. That's irrelevant. Ultimately, the FCC's mandate was found to be unconstitutionally vague and overbroad. Yep. That's telling them, that's telling them the fuckers. Despite the opinion of the court, the FCC maintained that it was their legal duty to stop inappropriate bits like Carlin's seven words from going out over the airwaves. Woo, 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 that's the sound of the language police, everybody. Hold your fire, everybody. Oh, no, you know, you can't say this. Now you can't even say man or woman without somebody jumping up your bum and screaming at you about how you did not use the gender fluid, neutral, gender non-binary specific pronoun whatever the fuck that means they appealed and the case went before the supreme court of the united states they're bringing out the big guns 
The issue before both the district and Supreme Court was about how to define the difference between indecency and obscenity, and whether the FCC had the power to censor either. Indecency and obscenity. Just buzzwords. Butch the fuck up. Justice John Paul Stevens looked for guidance in a court decision from 1926, which discussed the idea that indecency may be a right thing in a wrong place, like a pig in the parlor instead of the barnyard. In the okay. In the case of the seven words, he believed that being accessible to children through broadcast media made it a public nuisance and therefore within the FCC's power to censor. Oh, please. You know, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that... He's probably one of those guys, you know, I'm pretty sure he's probably one of those parents who, you know, if, if, if they're, you know, if they're with their kid and the kid curses, they do that whole wash your mouth out with soap. If you put a bar of soap in somebody's mouth after they've cursed, I mean, what makes you think they're going to stop cursing? If you put a bar of soap in someone's mouth, they're not going to be like, oh, man, I love this. They're going to be like, oh, fuck, get this crap out my fucking mouth. Jesus fucking Christ. What the fuck, man? I don't like fucking ivory soap. Fuck you and your fucking ivory soap. By the way, I never had my mouth washed out as a kid. You know why? Because I respected my parents. There you go. <laughs> I never said fuck around them. Not until I was 14. You know why? Because I respected my damn parents. That's why. And well, mainly because I don't know. Well, mainly because I didn't really want to curse. <laughs> Growing up, I was very anti, very anti cursing. I've I've talked about that before. Oh, well, yep, exactly. Yep, 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 exactly. Pure hypocrisy. I would always say, "Don't say that. Don't say that." Meanwhile, I'll be watching stuff like, you know, like like Speed and stuff like that, and you know, I'll be listening to like you know radio shows and music and all that stuff. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and people thought it was cute. Yep. Bull crap. Hypocrisy is not cute. A child is cute. A kitten is cute. A puppy is cute. A six-year-old going around the house and going up to dear old dad if the dad says fuck because he spills his coffee and saying, Say you're sorry. Not cute. Not cute at all. In their own defense, Pacifica argued that the definitions proposed by the FCC were wildly overbroad. Yep, very vague. And would prevent uncensored broadcast of great works of classical and contemporary literature. Yeah, there you go. There you go. That's telling them. Including even passages from the Bible. Surely the justices wouldn't allow such an absurdity, would they? Hmm. All right, there we go. In 1978, by a vote of 5-4, to four, the Supreme Court held that the FCC did have a limited power to regulate the content of broadcast media. Uh, well, it's limited, but still, I mean, you know, there are, you know, it's, it's, it's still, it still baffles me that you can't say certain, you know, it's, it's, it, the, the decision is still baffling to this day. It further held that the seven words routine was well within those limits and the FCC was entitled to act. There you go. The entitlement. Entitlement. That's the problem. They feel as if they're entitled because they feel as if, you know, they know what's best for everybody else. Another government, you know, another government agency sticking their nose and telling, you know, and, you know, and telling, you know, and telling these radio people, nope, you can't say fuck on the airwaves. You can't say that, but, you know, we'll let you play uh, songs about uh, felonies, such as Every Breath You Take by the Police. 
which was number one for eight weeks, which is a song about stalking, which is a felony. Totally fine to do that, but, oh, you know, uh, uh, Radio Personality says, fuck, oh, no, yank him off the air, condemn him, have everybody boycott him because he said, fuck, ooh, he's such a bad man. Fucking pussification of America. Another one I got from Carlin. The majority opinion discussed how children listening would have no warning about the content of the broadcast, and the easy access to that broadcast meant that the First Amendment protection would be limited. The dissent called the majority misguided and pointed out that the decision could prevent revered works of art and literature from being broadcast merely because they contained a few four-letter words. Yep, there you go. There you go. Nonetheless, the ruling remains law today. Ah, dang it. The Supreme Court's decision in FCC versus Pacifica was controversial when it was made and remains so today. No kidding, right? Of course. Prominent First Amendment attorney Floyd Abrams called the decision wrongheaded. And during a similar (laughs) case in 2012, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg argued that the opinion was wrong when it was issued. (laughs) Yep, there you go. Even she knows, man. She asked the rest of the court to reconsider the Pacifica case, pointing out that time and technology had altered the media landscape so much that the original ruling was untenable anyway. Yep, there you go. But did they listen to Ruth Bader Ginsburg? No, they didn't. They upheld the decision. Despite the fact that Carlin's seven words routine was the spark that ignited the case of FCC versus Pacifica, George himself wasn't a party to the litigation and had no stake in the case. Like he never showed up in court. He was, he was, he was, he was, he was, uh, uh, so let's see, this was 75, uh, so this was like 78, so this is when he was, this is when actually he thought that he was almost, uh, well, I'll get that later, uh, I'll get that in a little bit. In fact, he had no participation at all. He wasn't even called to testify on behalf of Pacifica. Huh. Legally speaking, the FCC wasn't after Carlin and generally had no objections to his material. Eh, I don't know about that. There was probably... There's probably some uptight guy at the FCC who probably jumped when he heard George say shit for the first time. Their wrath was aimed solely at Pacifica for playing the seven words routine during daytime hours. Oh, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, all right, yeah, yeah, Uh, great logic, yeah, because it ran during daytime hours. All right, so we got this straight, so if they ran it at nighttime hours, would they have been, you know, you know, would they have been fine, or or, or would would someone, or or would some, or would somebody, you know... Or the FCC have had to have fielded a complaint probably from a trucker who was probably at a way station, probably on a payphone, calling up the FCC and, uh, you know, you know, saying something to the effect of, uh, <coughs> uh, yes, uh, good evening. Uh, my name is uh, Robert Rogers and I'm a trucker from, uh, <coughs> and I'm a trucker from Louisiana. And I go to church every Sunday, and I was cruising through beautiful New York uh, this evening, and I heard a gentleman uh, using very vulgar language. It was on, I believe, WBAI in uh, New York there. So uh, just uh, kind of let y'all know why. <laughs> I mean, if, I mean, I mean, if, I mean, if that was the case in regards to say like nighttime hours, I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just fantasizing. Anyway, continuing. Same for the original plaintiff, John Douglas, who went on record saying he had no objections to the seven words routine for private use. 
Okay, yeah, okay, but, okay, but, you know, he's still a hypocrite because he only wants it in the private sector, but, oh, the public, uh, but the public forum, nope, he, nope. So, you know, he's, he's put, he pushing morality on everybody else with his fake outrage. While Carlin disagreed with the Supreme Court's decision, he didn't take it too hard. In fact, he actually found the whole thing pretty amusing. <laughs> he was, you know, I'm pretty sure, you know, I'm pretty sure probably Seth, I can probably just watch the news and just went, those cocksuckers at the FCC. <laughs> That's only going to make me more famous. Decades later, he would reflect on the fact that the case was still being taught in law schools and say that he took a perverse pride in being a footnote to the judicial history of the United States. So that's what I love is that gotcha moment when you catch the culture with its pants down. <laughs> John H. Douglas, for his part, would insist that he was after Pacifica, not Carlin. He even admitted that he laughed out loud at the seven words bit when he heard it. Uh, I, I honestly, you know, I think he's lying about that. I don't think he laughed because because if he okay if he truly had this anti obscenity stance being broadcasted across public airwaves then why would he say that he found it funny I mean I mean it just I mean I mean it would not make sense to have the bit playing and have him going <laughs> oh man oh man you know that is a really good uh uh, uh uh, you know, they did something about in regards to how tits is a friendly word. They really shouldn't be playing this trash over the public airwaves. Pacifica and the seven words may have lost the legal battle, but they won the cultural war. The legal fallout from the bit made the routine a high-profile symbol in the struggle to loosen taboos about so-called naughty words and bring an end to the kind of legal persecution that destroyed Carlin's idol, Lenny Bruce. In 2011, a study found that 47% of Facebook profiles contained profanity, and between 2005 and 2010, the use of such language on television increased a whopping 69%. Damn! television offers incredibly explicit forms of entertainment. I'm not sure if they, uh... I, I don't know, but uh, I don't know. I don't know if it really truly went up a whole 69%. I don't know. Maybe they just, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they just made that number up. I don't know. But either way. Should I tell you when I plan to take a tomorrow? Would that be none of your business? <laughs> I don't know where that's from. Services like Netflix are even less regulated. Or even like tomorrow? Would that be none of your business? <laughs> I don't know where that's from. I probably should have looked that up. But uh, either way, I mean, I, I'd, I'd love to... Uh, I don't know. I could probably incorporate that in the show. Maybe. I don't know. Continuing. Streaming internet services like Netflix are even less regulated. Yep. <laughs> These realities mean that while broadcast TV and radio still face strict FCC oversight, such regulatory schemes are rapidly becoming pointless. Oh. Well, there you go. On June 22, 2008, George Carlin died of heart failure at St. John's Hospital Center in Santa Monica, California. Sad day, man. And I find out the following day. I'll 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 tell you the whole story at, at at the end. His obituary in the New York Times called him an heir of Lenny Bruce, who gave voice to an indignant counterculture and assaulted the barricades of censorship on behalf of a generation of comics that followed him. It also specifically cited the seven words you can never say on television routine and called it one of the many ways he took aim at what he thought of as the palliating and obfuscating agents of American life. 
politicians, advertisements, religion, the media, and conventional thinking of all stripes. Cursing, cussing, swearing. All I could think of was shit, Tits, man. <laughs> was so ahead of his time that even a decade after his death, his comedy still held up. In 2017, Rolling Stone magazine called him an MIT-level linguist, a First Amendment activist, and the undisputed champion gadfly of stand-up. Fuck yeah! They named him the second-best stand-up comic of all time, behind only Richard Pryor, a man who considered Carlin one of his biggest influences. Yep. And he wasn't the only one. Mm-mm. Some of the comics that claim Carlin as an influence include Chris Rock, yeah. John Stewart, nice. Bill Burr, Ooh. and Bill Hicks. Ah, so there you go. And he has inspired... Many more today, and George is one of my, man, he is one of my inspirations, man. And uh, so, uh, um, uh, so, so covering all that in regards to the seventies, uh, uh, some other stuff, like in nineteen seventy-five, one night his wife got drunk and smashed the car into the lobby of a motel. And now it's the Santa Inez Inn, which is a uh, which is a rehab center, and uh, so uh, um, uh, 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 but in uh, so 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 in so in 1977, or I think it was like 79, whenever this was, there, there was there was a uh, um, there was a uh, um, there was an article that appeared in uh, one of the newspapers or a magazine. It was, it was, it was reflecting all the stuff that was going away in the seventies. And one of the things it said was, "Say goodbye to this, say goodbye to this, and say goodbye to George Carlin," because they kind of thought, I guess, I guess they thought, you know, his whole style of humor wouldn't last all that long. And he also hosted the first episode of Saturday Night Live. And uh, so, so in so. So then he eventually met this guy named Jerry Hanza, and uh, and and Jerry was pretty much like his best friend, and uh, and well, another thing is that George had a lot of problems with the IRS uh, because of um uh he he he, he, uh, um, he, he thought that his uh, accountants would handle it, but uh, but but they never did, and he was and he was freaked out opening up his monthly statements. So sometimes he just wouldn't open them. So so. So eventually, so eventually he, uh, so eventually in the eighties he re- he reinvented himself and actually, in nineteen eighty one he almost lost his nose. He was driving home. No, he was driving down to Dayton to see his wife, and he crashed. And 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 I found out that later on that well actually what happened was he he, he crashed he crashed in a real bad section of town. So there were some crooked cops that were going to plant heroin on him and try to set up the whole thing of comedian buys drugs in bad section of town kind of a thing. So it was that deal. But 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 it but it never happened thankfully. And and his and his and and the crash was so bad it messed up his nose but eventually he went to a uh he he went to a plastic surgeon and got all fixed. And we actually almost lost Carlin in '82 or '83, whenever it was. He was he was at a, a baseball, he was at a Dodgers game, and he starts feeling a little bit of pain in his chest. And he says to his manager, "Say, look, I'm not having a heart attack, but maybe we should leave anyway." And so they went to the hospital, and he almost died. Like his pulse was at 20. He was it was almost over. And then at the last set, and then and then toward and then they decided, hey, wait. We just got a little bit of this new stuff called streptokinase. Uh, uh, you, uh, 
uh, can we try it out? And Brenda, George's wife, said, yes, absolutely, yes, let's try and bring him back. And, and it uh, and it worked. And uh, so so then if, uh, since at the 80s, uh, he, he, he really started building his career back up. He started doing a lot more of the observational stuff that we know him for today. And then in the 90s, uh, which which much my generation, uh, I know that, uh, well, uh, oh, when I was going out, my dad would periodically drop little, uh, little, little stuff from uh, George Carlin here and there. But my first exposure to Carlin was actually in a very wholesome place, but I did not know it was him until many years later. There was this children's show, Shining Time Station. It was based off of this a series of books written by a reverend during World War II. And this woman, Britt Allcroft, uh, I think she bought the rights to the stories or whatever and, and, and made them into this TV show. And George was approached to play Mr. Conductor. And not only was the conductor, but he was also the narrator of the stories. So you'd watch these, you know, watch these little videos of, you just watch these stories unfold, and it would be George, just doing just like one voice basically, and would and and it, and it, and it was always you know it was always very cheerful and stuff. It'd always be something fit of like Thomas's driver, a wistful you know Thomas's driver, wistful whistled whistled cheerfully as he as he went through the tunnel that beautiful Monday morning. Choo choo! Thomas cheered merrily. That sort of thing. You know that sort of thing, and it was just—it was—it was so you know so cute. But I never you know, I never looked at the opening credits or closing credits, and so like, ooh, that's who's George Carlin. <laughs> but um, uh, but uh, so that, then in uh, then in ninth uh, then he uh, uh and then in ninth uh, and then the nineties he started doing more. He, he continued with HBO, and then in two thousand, and then in the two thousands he, uh, he he continued on doing HBO, and I actually had the pleasure of seeing George back in two thousand two. Uh, me, my dad, and my friend Matt, uh, one of my longtime friends, uh, we we just went to the show and uh, hung out, and a lot of it was recycled stuff from his two thousand one special. Uh, but uh, and and as and as we all know, uh uh. uh we lost George in uh, 2008 as the result of uh, heart failure. Now I just just want to wrap this up real quick because I have I have a uh, I have a voicemail message from George Carlin to the Howard Stern Show saying thank you for the kind words about an appearance on Bill Maher. Then that's going to go right into right into the seven dirty words bit, and then that is going to go right into the very last joke that he told on TV. So. So and just uh, and and just tell you real quick as to where I was when I learned about Carlin's death. I was on a forum back in the day, and one of the members of the forum sent me a message. Subject line was Carlin. So I'm thinking, okay, maybe he's probably asking for you know where can I find this bit, all that stuff. And I look at it, and he says, Larry, by the time you read this, I'm pretty sure you'll probably have heard that George Carlin died of a heart attack. I'm like, what? And so he sent me the link to the article. And I read it, and just I just said, oh, man, I was fucking crying my damn eyes out. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it for this week's episode of The Lawrence Ross Show. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And uh, I will leave you now with George Carlin's message to The Howard Stern Show from 2004 about uh, George's appearance on Bill Maher, followed by the seven dirty words, followed by George's last joke he ever told on television, and then... The Outroad. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Lawrence Ross. See with your heart, do good. Good night, everybody. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. 
Hi, Gary. This is George Carlin. How are you doing? It's been a long time since we said hello. And um, I wanted to say this uh, to Howard, but I'll go through you, of course. Um, Nancy Geller, you know, the head of uh, Late Night uh, or whatever the fuck, the senior vice president of original programming at HBO, the HBO lady, Nancy Geller, my, my connection there. She told me, and I, I did a bunch of fucking um, PR in March for the movie I was in, Jersey Girl. One of the shows I did was Bill Maher on HBO. And uh, I got more comments on my, my remarks on that show than I frankly have had in a long, long time about any other show. Uh, no matter how many people looked at it, you know. So a lot of people saw it and liked it. And I heard uh, Nancy said that uh, Howard Stern really liked your comments on the Bill Maher show, and he talked about it on the air, and he was very nice and complimentary. So I haven't heard it myself, but I'm going on Nancy's uh, word, and I'm, I want to thank you, uh, you guys. I want to thank Howard for um, saying those things. And if I had a... a if I had a little uh, tape or a DVD of it, it would be great for me to hear him, too, but it's not necessary. I'm not calling for that. Calling to let Howard know I thank him for the kind words and uh, whatever the fuck they were. And <laughs> I'd love to uh, shoot the shit with him sometime. As you know, I do IMUS as a regular practice. I don't know if you two guys have a mutual, you, you do one, you can't do the other. But my problem with trying to do your show, you know, is that I, I don't have a whole lot of stuff to talk about, you know, on my sex life and all that. My sex life is great, but it's kind of ordinary and private and, uh, and all that shit. So anyway, thank you guys for always, um, uh, you know, uh, having me over there. I appreciate that. I know I'm going on a long time. You're probably fucking pissed off this is so long. <laughs> Take care, man. Bye-bye. I love words. I thank you for hearing my words. I want to tell you something about words that I... Uh, I think is important. I love, as I say, they're my uh, work, they're my play, they're my passion. Words are all we have, really. Uh, we have thoughts, but thoughts are fluid, you know. And then we assign a word to a thought, and we're stuck with that word for that thought. So be careful with words. I like to think, yeah, the same words, you know, that hurt can heal. It's a, it's a matter of how you pick them. There are some people that aren't into all the words. There are some people that would have you not use certain words. Yeah, there are 400,000 words in the English language, and there are seven of them you can't say on television. What a ratio that is. 399,993 to seven. They must really be bad. They'd have to be outrageous to be separated from a group that large. All of you over here, you seven. Bad words. That's what they told us they were, remember? That's a bad word. No bad words. Bad thoughts. Bad intentions. And words. You know the seven, don't you, that you can't say on television? Shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, and tits, huh? Those are the heavy seven. Those are the ones that'll infect your soul, curve your spine, and keep the country from winning the war. Shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, and tits, wow. And tits doesn't even belong on the list, you know?
It's such a friendly sounding word. Sounds like a nickname, right? Hey, Tits, come here, man. Hey, Tits. Hey. Hey, Tits, me Toots. Toots, Tits, Tits, Toots, man. Sounds like a snack, doesn't it, huh? Yes, yes I know, it is, right, a snack. But I don't mean your sexist snack. I mean new Nabisco tits. And new cheese tits. And corn tits and pizza tits and sesame tits, onion tits, tater tits. Bet you can't eat just one. Huh? That's true, I usually switch off. <laughs> but I mean, that word does not belong on the list. Actually, none of the words belong on the list, but you can understand why some of them are there. I mean, I'm not completely insensitive to people's feelings. You know, I can dig why some of those words got on the list. Like cocksucker and motherfucker, those are... <laughs> Those are heavyweight words, you know. Oh, there's a lot going on there, man. Besides the literal translation and, and the emotional feeling, I mean, they're just busy words. You know? There's a lot of syllables to contend with. And, and those K's, those are aggressive sounds. They jump out at you, man. Cocksucker, motherfucker, cocksucker, motherfucker. It's like an assault on you, you know? So I can dig that. Now, we mentioned shit earlier, of course, and uh, two of the other four-letter Anglo-Saxon words are piss and cunt, which go together, of course, but forget that. So, little accidental humor I throw there. Piss and cunt. The reason that piss and cunt are on the list is that a long time ago, certain ladies said, those are the two I'm not going to say. I don't mind fucking shit, but P and C are out. P and C are out. Which led to such stupid sentences as, okay, you fuckers, I'm going to tinkle now. <laughs> and of course, the word fuck. The word fuck, I don't really, well, here's some more accidental humor. I don't really want to get into that now. <sighs> because I think it takes too long. <sighs> but I do mean that. I mean, I think the word fuck is a very important word. It's the beginning of life, and yet it's a word we use to hurt one another quite often. And uh, people much wiser than I have said, I'd rather have my son watch a film with two people making love than two people trying to kill one another. And I, of course, can agree. It's a great sentiment. I wish I knew who said it first, and I, I agree with that. But I'd like to take it a step further. I'd like to substitute the word fuck for the word kill in all those movie cliches we grew up with, right? Okay, Sheriff, we're gonna fuck you now. <laughs> but we're gonna fuck you slow. So maybe next year I'll have a whole fucking rap on that word, I hope so. 
Uh, there are two-way words. Those are the seven you can never say on television. Under any circumstances, you just cannot say them ever, 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 not even clinically. You cannot weave them in on the panel with Doc and Ed and Johnny. I mean, it's just impossible. Forget those seven, they're out. But there are some two-way words, those double-meaning words. Remember the ones you giggled at in sixth grade? And the cock crowed three times. Hey, the cock crowed three times. Hey, it's in the Bible. There are some two-way words, like it's okay for Kurt Gowdy to say, Roberto Clemente has two balls on him. But he can't say, I think he hurt his balls on that play, Tony, don't you? He's holding them. He must have hurt them, by God. And the other two-way word that goes with that one is prick. It's okay if it happens to your finger. Yes, you can prick your finger, but don't finger your prick. No, no. Personally, when it comes to rights, I think one of two things is true. I think either we have unlimited rights or we have no rights at all. Personally, I lean toward unlimited rights. I feel, for instance, I have the right to do anything I please. But if I do something you don't like, I think you have the right to kill me. So where are you going to find a fairer fucking deal than that? So the next time some asshole says to you, I have a right to my opinion, you say, oh yeah, well I have a right to my opinion, and my opinion is you have no right to your opinion. <laughs> then shoot the fuck and walk away. Thank you. Thank you all for coming. There's uh, coffee and brownies out front. You've been listening to The Lawrence Ross Show. Email the show, blindlawrence at gmail.com. There's a letter in your mailbox. Follow him on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, all ending in forward slash blindlawrence. Be careful of the fucking wall! Check out his YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Lawrence Ross. Become a fan of the show on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Ross 1987 I'll send your shiny happy ass a friend request. Rate and subscribe to the show on iTunes, or follow the show on Spotify. I search Lawrence Ross. Get out and take your sack of your dollars with you. This week's edition of the Lawrence Ross Show Yikes! has just hit the brakes. Keep your ugly fucking gold bricking ass out of my beach community. You lose! Good day, sir! I was making radio shows for fun. Everybody does it. Everybody I know does. Shut up! And baba booey to y'all. <laughs>